If you don't mind, stand to your feet. Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 8, verse 4 through 8 and verse 12. Acts chapter 8, verse 4 through 8 and verse 12. Acts chapter 8, verse 4 through 8 and verse 12. We read from this inspiration of scripture found in this historical letter of the inauguration of the church. The Bible says, Therefore, those who had been scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and, be and began proclaiming Christ to them. The crowds with one accord were giving attention to what was said by Philip as they heard and saw the signs which he was performing. For in the case of those who had, been, who had unclean spirits, they were coming out of them shouting with a loud voice. And many who had been paralyzed and lame were healed. So there was much rejoicing in that city. Verse 12. But when they had believed Philip preaching the good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were being baptized, both men and women alike. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, God, that you have left us to empower us and to equip us, God, to show us what it is that you desire for us to do. Father, we thank you that we can understand the word of God by the fact that we are saved by grace through faith and placing our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection on our behalf. We thank you, Father God, that not only did Jesus give us access to a relationship with you by teaching us and telling us, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Then he said that he would not leave us as orphans, but would send us the Holy Spirit upon our belief in him. And so now we have the indwelling presence of the Spirit of God inside of our lives. But not only the indwelling, but the filling of the Spirit God to do your work, your will, and your way, Father God, and to follow and obey your word. And so, God, we ask that you would guide us powerfully through the word of God. As Peter has taught us in the word, God, that he said that men preach the gospel by the Holy Spirit. And so, Father, help us to preach the gospel by the person and and power of the spirit that works in us and through us on this day i pray god that you and you alone would open up our eyes that we might behold wonderful things in your law open up our minds that we might understand the scriptures may our hearts burn within us as the holy spirit speaks to us along the road we pray most of all oh god that we would be doers of your word and not simply hearers who delude themselves for it is in the doing of the word of god that we are blessed we pray that you would strengthen us by grace and grant us the ability to teach, hear, understand, and apply the word of God to our lives that you might receive glory from the lives that we live. Father, we have no other objective than that of the Lord Jesus, who said that the spirit of the Lord was upon him because you had anointed him to preach the gospel to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to release the captive, recovery of sight to the blind, and to preach the acceptable and favorable year of the Lord. It is in the matchless, mighty name of Jesus that we pray and submit these things to you, our Lord our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. In Acts chapter 8, verse 4 through 8, as we look at these four verses of Scripture and then add on verse 12, I want to talk to you and tag this text, the church at its best. The church at its best. Maximized maturity for ministry. Maximized maturity for ministry. You have been traveling through a series in 1 Corinthians talking about grow up church. I want to talk about what does it look like for the church to maximize itself in maturity for ministry. The date was June the 15th, 2014. 
On June the 15th, 2014, the NBA Finals were decided when the San Antonio Spurs, in another decisive victory, uh, dethroned the current champion, the then champion, uh, Miami Heat. The Miami Heat had those three triplets, LeBron James, uh, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh, and a virtual team of no-name plain ball players derailed and dethroned them. Now, I realize that I'm in Pennsylvania, but I'm from Texas, and you see me with my black and white on. We still play basketball in Texas. Y'all have not played basketball since Dr. J and Moses Malone came up here to help y'all uh, win a championship. Now, y'all realize that the way y'all won your championship was Moses Malone came from Houston all the way up to Philadelphia to help y'all win a championship, amen? But we do play basketball in Texas, amen? And so here it is where three championships from Texas have been won in recent years that, 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 that the San Antonio Spurs came in and overthrew the Miami Heat. Now watch this. They asked LeBron James in that final interview, they said, LeBron, talk to us about the series. And he said, the known best basketball player in the world said these words. He said, the San Antonio Spurs were simply the best team. They were simply the best team. We cannot say that we didn't, didn't play well. They were simply the best. They said, he said, here's what the problem was. is whoever they put in the ball game, that player was so productive at that position, we, we never could uh, take a break. In other words, when Tony Parker was in the game as the starting point guard, he produced. But when he checked out of the game, they brought in Patty Mills. When Patty Mills came in the game, he produced. Watch this. When Patty Mills checked out the game, they checked in Corey Joseph, and Corey Joseph produced. He said, watch. He said, when Tim Duncan was in the game, he produced. When you brought Tim Duncan out the game, Splitter came in the game, and he produced. He said, wherever position or whatever place, the people on that team were so productive, we just could not handle the Spurs. The Spurs were simply the best team. Well, don't you know that the church of God is supposed to be just like that? That it does not matter who's being checked in the game, that the people of God have the same power, the same productivity level to go in and produce at massive levels. So it's not just my elders, it's not just my pastors, but it's also the person on row three, seat five, that's got the same power of the Holy Ghost to, do, to go and do the work of God. You don't have the C minus version of the Holy Ghost and the pastor got the A plus. That's not how it works. We all have that same Holy Ghost that works through us powerfully to do the work of God. Watch this right here. I want to show you the church at its best when you have maximized maturity for ministry. Look at Acts chapter 8 verse 4. In Acts 8 verse 4 it says, Therefore, those who had been scattered went about preaching the word. The question is, is who are those? Let's go back to verse 1. Saul was in hearty agreement with putting him to death. And on that day, a great persecution began against the church in Jerusalem. And now watch this. They were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. Now those that were being persecuted or scattered in verse 4 are the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered. So everyone from Acts chapter 2 when Peter begins to preach the gospel and people get saved and the church is formed in Acts 2.41. Notice what Jesus told them in Acts 1.8. 
Jesus says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And when you receive this power, then you will be my witnesses in three places, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then to the fourth place, the uttermost parts of the earth. He says, you will be my witnesses. Now notice this. So Acts chapter 1 verse 8 outlines the entire 28 chapters of the book of Acts. So here it is. is it, it says that the church and Jerusalem were scattered via persecution. Now watch this. Here's what happens. The church at its best reverses man's evil intentions in order to carry out God's gospel instructions. Saul stoned Stephen in Acts 7, 54 through 59, or 54 through 60. Saul stands behind the stoning of Stephen, and Stephen is killed for the preaching of the good news of Jesus Christ. And Saul says, I'm going to take this church out. I'm going to shut this church down. And the word persecution in Acts 8, 1 is used. The word persecution means to ravishly chase down like you're chasing an animal down to kill it, murder it, and destroy it. There was a movie called The Hunting Game, where then gangster rapper, now turned actor, Ice-T was in it. Ice-T was a little homeless dude, and then some cats found him and said, hey man, we're going to give you a little job, hang out here at our ranch, and the next thing we know, we're going to come out here and hunt. And Ice-T out there like, wow man, I got some acres and I'm chilling out out here. And all of a sudden, what happens? They say, Ice-T, we ain't hunting no animals. We hunting you. And they began to chase Ice-T down, and they were ravishly trying to kill and destroy his life. That is what the text means when the Bible says you have been persecuted. A persecution arose against the church where they're trying to hunt the church down, take the church out, and Saul is behind that persecution. But watch, it says persecution in verse 1 and scatter in verse 1. What, God, what man's evil intentions were trying to do, God turned into gospel instructions. Because the Bible says that they were not only persecuted, but they were also scattered. Scattered is the word that is used of a sower in the Greek language who is sowing seed in a field. And he's sowing seed in a field because he's expecting that seed to be placed in a field in various places so that he can reap a harvest from what he has planted. So watch this now. In other words, God is using his power while also using man's actions to say I'm getting you all out of Jerusalem where y'all have been having comfortable church for a long time y'all been having some good old church right up in here up in here but I got to get y'all up out of here I got to send y'all down the road. I know y'all like church. Why? Because folk been selling their stuff, taking care of folk. Y'all been watching the apostles minister and the power of God and resurrection power and healing and all that. Y'all been seeing all that. But God said, now it's time for me to check y'all in the game. Let's, look, let's go back to Acts 8.1. Check it out. Acts 8.1. Saul was in hearty agreement with putting him to death. And on that day, a great persecution began against the church in Jerusalem. Now watch, and they were all scattered. Let me give you the Greek definition for the word all. It's all. Everybody in the church was gone. Everybody in the church is gone, and they're scattered throughout the regions. Look at it. It's beautiful of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. The 12 apostles are gone, are still in Jerusalem, but the rest of the church is gone. You start Epiphany Fellowship and all y'all got left is the elders. Y'all come to worship service, it ain't nobody but the elders. Why? Because God has scattered everybody out somewhere to go do ministry. Because God, when he scatters seed and God sows seed, he expects harvest or return on his sowing. God expects to come by and look and see something come up from what he has scattered. 
So when God sends you all out to places, out to temple, out to Drexel, out to your neighborhood, out to your schools, out to your jobs, God is expecting you a harvest from you out there. God is expecting production from you. Right now you are in a season of preparation, but God is expecting a season of production. What do you mean, Pastor Blake, by a season of preparation? It is in Acts 2.42 where the Bible says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, fellowship, and to prayer. When they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, they were hearing the word of God. They were soaking it in. They were getting it in. They were being taught. They were in community. They fellowshiped. They broke bread. They prayed together. They did all that stuff. But now God is saying that is enough of that. It's time for you to go do what I've called you to do. It's time for me to check you in the ball game, and you'll never know how good you are until you get checked in. God is not waiting to check you in. God has already scattered you. After this worship service, you're going to scatter again. And wherever God sends you, he is expecting a harvest from that place that he sent you to. God has expectation of harvest. Watch, Jesus Christ goes to a fig tree, says, I don't see no fruit. I'll be back. Jesus walks over here, chills out, come back. He come back. Fig tree, ain't no fruit. Chop it down. Don't have God chop you down because he ain't getting no fruit. We're talking about some gospel salvation fruit that God has expected you to go out and share this good news concerning Christ with all the people that God has in your sphere of influence. Now watch this. The Bible says, therefore, those who had been scattered went about preaching the word. Now, where did they go preach the word? They were scattered in verse 1 in the regions of Judea and Samaria. Now, go back with me to Acts chapter 5, verse 28. In Acts 5, verse 27 and 28, check this out. I'm going to start at verse 27. When they had brought them, they stood them before the council, and the high priest questioned them saying, we gave you strict orders not to continue teaching in this name. And yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Now, we don't want y'all to teach in this name anymore. But Peter had already told them in Acts chapter 4, there is no other name given under heaven by which men can be saved except the name of Jesus Christ. We're going to preach us some Jesus. We're going to talk. Why? Because there is no other name that brings salvation. So you're not going to stop us from preaching in this name. They said, well, we ordered y'all not to talk in this name. We don't care what y'all say, whether to obey man or to bail God. We're going to talk about what we've seen and what we've heard because we know what Jesus Christ has done for us. Is there anybody in here who say, I know what Jesus has done for me? And if you know what he's done for you, can't nobody stop you. I've been all up here in Philadelphia, folks saying, Blake, we heard about y'all in Houston and the mayor's saying, you know, they're subpoenaing sermons. I don't care what the mayor said about no sermons. She ain't the first person to try to stop Christianity. Saul tried to stop Christianity too. And guess what happened to him? He got saved. Y'all pray for the mayor to get saved. Don't worry about a subpoena. And watch this. And so it says, we don't want y'all to preach in this name no more. And the Bible says in verse 28, and your teaching has filled Jerusalem. That meant that Jerusalem was literally overflowing with the gospel. That the city of Jerusalem had been so hit by the gospel that it wasn't new news for anybody else to hear about Jerusalem. I mean, I mean to hear about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Folk knew about Jesus. They had heard about Jesus. So watch this. If God's commandment is this, God planned it, Jesus announced it, 
and the Holy Spirit executed it. Watch this. When you receive the Holy Spirit, when he comes upon you, you'll be my witness in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria to the ends of the earth. So if Jerusalem is filled in Acts 5, 28, what's the next plan? We got to go to Judea and Samaria. But since y'all like to have so much church, I'm going to have to let y'all get out of here another way. See, y'all not just going out there and running and doing your job because you got comfortable right here. So what I'm going to do is bring some persecution in your life. I'm going to bring some pain in your life. And when I bring some pain, then you'll get out there and you'll go share that gospel. Good news. So now watch Acts chapter 8. Here we go. Therefore, those who had been scattered went about preaching the word. When you see that key word scattered, it means that God has sent you somewhere and God is expecting some harvest from you. Now, it says, except the apostles. In other words, the apostles have now checked out of the game. But do you realize that the apostles are the second team? The first team was Jesus. Tony Parker has checked out the game. So now he's put in Patty Mills. The apostles have now checked out the game. And now he's bringing in Corey. Joseph. He got the dude on row three, seat six, and says, you in the game, you're up. Time to play. God has you in places all over this city where God has planted you and scattered you for somebody not to come to an 8 o'clock, not to come to a 10 o'clock, not to come to a 12 o'clock, not to come to a 5.30 gathering. God already got a gathering out there. You think about you waiting for some church support and somebody raising you up. God's already planted you. I need some support. You got the Holy Ghost. You got all the support you need. Watch this. So God uses those negative intentions. Notice the persecution of the church was used by God to demonstrate that the members had become ministers. At a certain point, you have to realize that you are no longer just a member. You're no longer just a covenant family community member. You are now a minister of the gospel of God's grace and God's peace. You have to realize I am a minister being sent out to Temple's campus, a minister being sent out to my neighborhood, a minister being sent into the mall while I'm talking to the, into a restaurant, talking to the waiter. I'm a minister. I've been scattered there. When you recognize everywhere you go, God has ordered your steps and scattered you in that place. Place, you now realize I'm on mission for God right now. I'm already on mission. Watch this. So after they heard all the teachings and had been built up in the faith, God says, now let me get out of you what I've placed inside of you. See, a lot of people don't realize how much God has already put in you. And so God is trying to get you out there in the field and squeeze out of you what is already inside of you. God has filled you up with the teaching of the word of God to abundance so that he can get it out of you. Now, notice, go to Acts chapter 4, verse 4 real quick. This church is experiencing major growth. Remember I said in Acts 2, 41 and 42, 3,000 souls got saved. 3,000 men and women got saved when they heard Peter preach. Now, when these people came to Pentecost, they were coming to the Feast of Weeks where the Jews were celebrating the giving of the law at Mount Sinai. They were not coming to the, uh, 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 the Kingdom Men's Concert, uh, the King's Men Concert up here. They weren't coming to the Billy Graham Crusade. They were going to a Jewish feast. They had no intention to go down there and get saved. They were coming to some Jewish stuff. They didn't even believe in Jesus, but yet the Holy Ghost fell, and the people heard them speaking in their own native languages the mighty deeds of God, and God drew a crowd, and 3,000 folk got saved, and the church got started. Amen. 
They got started when they wasn't trying to go to church. They, 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 they didn't plan on getting saved and God saved, which means God doesn't need our help to get nobody saved. God saves all by himself by the way he plans. He just asks us to go and to be obedient. Watch. Acts 4.4. 4. But many of those who had heard the message believed. And watch the text. And the number of men came to about 5,000. We're in Acts 4.4. The church got started in Acts 2.41 and 42. You're in chapter 4, verse 4, and you got 5,000 males. This is the Greek word for men. This ain't mankind. 5,000 dudes have now been saved who are standing up responding to the preaching of the gospel. Manly men hearing that Jesus Christ died in their place for sins. Jesus Christ was buried and he was raised in my place. And 5,000 men began to respond to the gospel. This Watch, when a real Jesus is being preached, you should never have a shortage of men in the church. When Christ is being preached, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, Lamb of God, Alpha Omega, beginning and end, when Christ is preached, you should never have a shortage of cats in the room. Never ever. Brothers ought to be filling up the house of God. Why? Because they realize a man has come and died in your place. The God man, Jesus Christ. So you got now 5,000 men. Now if you have 5,000 men, let's just say half of them are married. So you now have 7,500 folk in church. Let's say they got two children apiece. You now have them at 12,500 members in the early church. You're at 12,500 members in the early church and everybody's gone. You go from preaching and having multiple services and all that to there's 12 of y'all, 12 apostles looking around like this. What are we going to do now? And watch this. They ain't trying to tell the folk, come back. They're releasing the people to go do what God has called them to do. They're saying, you got to go and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And teach them to observe all that God has committed. And watch, God promised he would be with us if we do this. Now check this out. Go to Acts 11, verse 19 and 21. I need you to see some language in the text. Acts 11, 19. So these people have been scattered out. This is maximized maturity. When your disciples can go and make disciples, you got maximized maturity. Verse 19. Look at the language. So then those who were scattered because of the persecution of Stephen, Acts 7, 54 through 60 and Acts 8, 1, in connection with Stephen, made their way to Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, and they spoke the word to no one except Jews alone. In other words, when they first went out, Jewish folk were talking to Jewish folk. Let me make it plain. Uses was talking to uses. Let me say it one more time. Uses was talking to uses. Now, let me make it a little bit more plain. Black folk was talking to black folk about the gospel. We ain't telling the white folks, the Asians, the Spanish, ain't nobody. We're going to talk to the brothers about it. White folk was talking to white folk. But then there were some other folk that realized there are more folk than uses that need this good news. Check out the next verse. Verse 20 says, but there were some men, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, that came to Antioch and began speaking the Greeks and preaching the Lord Jesus. Now, here it is. They begin to preach to the Greeks. Now Jews are preaching to Greeks and all the nations are coming together under one thing called the church. What ought to excite you and make you praise God about being at Epiphany is that you can look around and you don't always see us's. 
You'll see the nations up in here. When we were at the conference this weekend, we saw the nations. You ought to celebrate God that God has you as a great commission church, that he has nationalities in here, he's got ethnicities in here, and it is a picture of the glory of God. And there are going to be some non-believers that walk in the door, and y'all are so comfortable with Jesus that it's going to rock somebody else's world. They look, man, it's white folk worshiping with black folk. Man, in the hood, man, we would just walk by. Man, I mean, like, like, like the telephone. They had a free telephone. The telephone ain't on the student thing no more. You know what I mean? I mean, they ought to just look around this spot, man, and say, this is hood, man. And white folk and black folk and Asian and Hispanic are coming together and worshiping Jesus and calling on his name. And it ought to be so magnifying to blow it. See, it's common to you. It's not common to everybody else. They ought to come in here and say the glory of God and the nations have fallen in this place. Now watch this. But there were some of them men of Cyprus and Cyrene, verse 20, that came to Anak and they began speaking to Greeks, preaching the Lord Jesus. The main thing, let's preach Jesus. Now watch verse 21. And, at the, and the hand of the Lord was with them and a large number who believed turned to the Lord. Now I like this because it says the hand of the Lord was with them. The Great Commission, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to observe all that God has commanded, and lo, I will be with you even until the end of the world. Here's the problem with a lot of Christians in their lives. I just don't sense that the Lord is with me today. I just don't feel the Lord with me right now. Well, here's my question. Are you making disciples? Because God promised when you make disciples that he would be with you. See, when you're doing God's work, God gives you the ability and power to do what you can't do by yourself. And so he is with you, empowering you to do what only God can do. God promises to be with people that are about his purpose. When you're about God's business and God's mission, then God comes in in a special way and supports you and does the work through you. To, don't y'all go nowhere until the Holy Ghost come. Go out there by yourself and try to plant a church. Go out there and go try to preach to somebody about Jesus by yourself. You better need Jesus when you go somewhere. You need the Holy Ghost to show up in that place. Watch this. So he says, and the hand of the Lord was with him, and a large number believed and turned to the Lord. Here's the good news. When you all get scattered into your places, here's the next question you ask yourself in evangelism. I wonder if I'm going to say it right. I wonder if I say something to them or they're going to get saved. What if I tell them and they don't get saved? The Bible says, and the hand of the Lord was with them, and many believed. Why did many believe? Because God had scattered and when God scatters, whatever God plans is going to happen. So when you see people getting saved, you ought to celebrate God because God sent you into that place and God was expecting you to raise up a harvest from that place. You ought to not be shocked when folk get saved. You ought not be, oh, wow, oh, really, man, somebody, got, no, no, you ought to be saying, God, you sent me here. You said you would be with me if I open my mouth and tell them about Jesus. If I preach Jesus, look here, don't talk to the folk about the ontological argument for the existence of God. Don't talk to them about, no, 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 uh, 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 don't talk to them about none of that six-day creation story. Don't talk to them about none of that. Don't talk to them about the, 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 the dinosaurs. Don't nobody know about no dinosaurs. Talk to them about Jesus. Black Muslims, Shuni Muslims, uh, black Hebrew Israelites, forget all that. Jesus. <laughs> Holy Ghost. I need you to take the blinders off the eyes of this man who is blind because I once was blind, 
But now I see, Holy Ghost, I need you to move and open this man up. You don't see nowhere in Acts, dude got to go read a book and find out what to say to somebody. They said the Holy Ghost, Jesus told me this. Nobody get no apologetic. No, Jesus. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. There is no other name by which man must be saved, but at the name of Jesus. And they're preaching the Lord Jesus. Walk back with me to Acts chapter 8. All of a sudden, in verse 4 to verse 5, there's a transition. It moves off the whole community that got released to one man who got released. It, it comes down to one man. It says, Philip went down to the city of Samaria, and he began proclaiming Christ. Philip goes down to Samaria, and he starts preaching Jesus. Now, here's some good news. How in the world did Philip get in the game? Philip got in the game because Stephen got checked out. Philip started out in Acts 2.42 as a guy who was just sitting, listening to the word of God. He was just sitting down, devoting himself to the opposition. By Acts chapter 6, they pick out seven men who are dependable, reliable, spiritual, to serve the Meals on Wheels program to the widows. And Stephen is full of the Holy Ghost, full of wisdom, full of faith, full of all those things. And watch this. What is your job being full of wisdom, full of faith, full of spirit? Serve the widows some food. Take the oatmeal down there, make sure they get some oatmeal for breakfast. Take them some eggs, take them some bacon, turkey bacon. Take them some stuff down there, they Hellenistic Jews. Uh, and, 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 and make sure that they get fed. Now that's your job and you're full of the Holy Ghost. You want to know what my first job was in ministry? My wife and I started out teaching first and second grade Sunday school in the South. And at my very first children's retreat, or, excuse me, children's lock-in, 300 kids from Wheeler Avenue Baptist Church. I teach first and second grade Sunday school class. Here's my job. As they come to eat, do you want mustard on your hot dog or do you want chili? <laughs> do you want mustard on your hot dog or do you want chili? 300 kids come through the line. So a kid come through the line, I said, do you want mustard? Uh, no. And then he go down here and I start putting chili on. No, 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 I do want some mustard. Boy, you better, you, you, you said you didn't want none. Go on down the road. 300 times, I got to say, do you want mustard or do you want chili? Do you want mustard or do you want chili? Do you want mustard? I never knew I was going to be pastor in no church, but I started out serving the widows. I started out doing the low things, and God said, now I'll bring you up to do something else. Just be faithful over the first assignment. Somebody was working the frequency conference this weekend, and God was trying to say, could you work the frequency conference right now in an humble way so that I can exhaust you to do something else for me? So now Philip begins to preach. Go to Acts 8. Notice this. The New England Patriots had a quarterback by the name of Drew Bledsoe. Some of you have forgotten about Drew Bledsoe. Drew Bledsoe was all pro. Don't sleep. He played in a few Pro Bowls. Drew Bledsoe was leading the New England Patriots all the way to the playoffs. But Drew Bledsoe had a problem. He did not have foot speed. He did not have Michael Vick speed. So what happened to Drew Bledsoe running about a 5-7-40 to the sideline, and he did not slide. I don't know who didn't test him. Drew Bledsoe was running to the sideline, trying to get out of bounds at about 5.740 speed like this right here, legs way up, coming down. And boy, look at this. The New, the New York uh, uh, Jets linebacker got so excited. 
This dude is running a 5-7 to the sideline and didn't slide. And the New York Jets linebacker came and laid Drew Bledsoe out and put him in year 3,000. <laughs> Bledsoe still ain't came back. Now watch this. <laughs> and when Bledsoe got knocked out of the game, all pro quarterback on the sidelines was a little guy from the University of Michigan. And all he was doing was holding the playbook. He had a little headset on his head and a head. He hadn't been in the game. He was the backup. He, he wasn't first team. He was second team. His name was Tom Brady. And all of a sudden, Tom Brady got checked in the ball game because somebody else got checked out of the game. And nobody knew at the time that Tom Brady was going to be a Hall of Fame quarterback while he was just standing on the sideline saying, Coach Belichick, run this play. No, Drew, that didn't work last time. Yeah, this worked right there. All he was doing was standing on the sideline holding the playbook. But now all of a sudden, he got checked in the game when he got checked in the game they won the Super Bowl they didn't just win one Super Bowl they won another Super Bowl they didn't just win two Super Bowls they won three he's played in five and the boy is a Hall of Famer but you never knew he was a Hall of Famer while he was sitting on the sideline may I submit to you we don't know that there's some Hall of Famers right here sitting up right next to you y'all have been sitting on the aisle sitting in your chairs but God's got Hall of Fame Christianity in your lives and it's just time for you to check in the game Holy Spirit-empowered ability that's sitting on the sideline, but God is now calling you from preparation to production. Watch this. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and began proclaiming Christ. And the crowds with one accord, I'm in verse 6, the crowds with one accord. Now, I like this because you see that word one accord? Jesus prayed in John 17, 21 through 23. I pray, Father, that they would be one just like you and I are one. And when they are one, then the world will know that God sent the Son. He mentioned it two times in Genesis 17, 21 through 23. He prayed for the oneness of the church. And when the church was unified on Christ and his mission, and God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, when the, Christ, when the church was unified, people would see the purpose of God in evangelism, and the world would recognize that God sent his Son. It would impact their evangelism. So when you come to Acts 1, the Bible says they're on one accord. When you come to Acts 2, the Bible says they're on one accord. What happens? People got saved in Acts 2. What happens in Acts 4? The Bible says they're on one accord. What happens? People got saved. Why? Because Jesus prayed that when the church was one, people would get saved. Now, you come to Acts 5, Ananias and Sapphira act a fool with the offering. God kills them. The very next thing that it says after God kills Ananias and Sapphira in verse 12, and the church was back on one accord. Guess what happened? Some more folk got saved. Why? Because the church was unified on the mission of God. But now for the very first time, the Bible says the crowd was on one accord. This ought to blow your mind. Why? Because he said what literally is happening is that while Philip is preaching Jesus, one man preaching Jesus, the crowd is listening. And the Bible says in the Greek language that God is uniting their minds to think on the exact same thing, bringing forth the exact same revelation about Jesus Christ to where the people now are getting the same message that Jesus Christ died for my sins. He was buried and he was raised. And now the whole group of people said, we need Jesus. And the whole folk got saved. Watch this. God changed their minds and made their minds on one accord. So while the gospel was being preached, it's not how good we say it. It's not the analogies that we use. It was God changing the minds of people that were dead and turning them on alive in Christ and making them respond to the gospel. Watch this. 
So the crowd with one accord were giving attention to both Philip, the things that, he, they, uh, that Philip said and, and they heard, and they saw the signs that he was performing. Now watch this. For in the case of many who had unclean spirits, verse 7, uh, unclean spirits were coming out of them and they were shouting with a loud voice and many who had been paralyzed were lame and were being healed. This, th 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 this blows me away. When the church is at its best, their ministries will be a reflection of Jesus and the apostles. In Acts 2 verse 22, the Bible says that God was performing extraordinary miracles through the hands of Jesus. And miracles, signs, and wonders that you yourselves know have taken place. In other words, y'all are not ignorant to the fact that blind Bartimaeus one day said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. You ain't ignorant to that. You ain't ignorant to one day that a woman said, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, you ain't ignorant to that. You're not ignorant to the fact that a woman was bent double for 18 long years and Jesus loosed her and said, woman, thou art loose, and she got up. You're not ignorant to that. You know what Jesus has done. You've seen the miracles. You've seen the power. But watch this. In Acts 5, 12 through 16, the same miracles that Jesus was doing, the apostles were doing. But now Philip is third team. So when the third team checks in, can you produce? And then the Bible says, and Philip was performing signs and wonders and miracles. The signs, wonders, and miracles, the productivity of Philip, the third teamer, was no different than the, than the productivity of Jesus. Listen to what I just said. The productivity of Philip the third teamer was no different than the productivity than Jesus. The Bible says that it was signs that he was performing. It is the same word in the Greek language. That, watch this. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above and beyond all we could ask or think according to the power that is at work within us. The word do is, the, is an architectural term. It means to manufacture out of nothing something. Y'all didn't hear what I just said. If y'all heard what I just said, you'd be shouting. In other words, it is the same word that's linked to Genesis chapter 1 where God spoke and nothing had to come into something. Watch this. God spoke and watch this. Light which had not been light before heard its name called and light became light. God put the moon up and hung it up along with the sun, painted the sky light blue, and said, watch this, with no, with, with, with no chair and with no, with no paintbrush. <laughs> God said, fish, come on out on this day. And fish that had never been fished before heard that they were supposed to come up and came in the fish. <laughs> to manufacture out of nothing something. And he says, and that Philip was performing signs that God was taking the abilities and the powers out of nowhere. Philip was just going down being obedient and God was showing up and performing miracles. It was not just preaching power, it was also healing power. See, somebody ought to come to your church and their marriage ought to be so jacked up and paralyzed and lame, but by the time they get finished meeting with the saints of God, by the time the saints of God finish praying on that thing and working with them and struggling with them and crying with them and meeting with them and praying and believing God, somebody's marriage ought to be resurrected that was going down in the pits. Somebody ought to come in here and you were a you, you were straight up porn addict and now you've been set free and got a ministry to it. Somebody ought to say that the spirit of God fell in power and my whole life was resurrected. There was a young lady in our ministry whose aunt was diagnosed with cancer 
and she was going to have a double mastectomy. And this young lady, 11th grade, would come, Ashley Tansy, and say, can we pray for my aunt? And every Wednesday night at the teenage Bible study, we prayed for her aunt for three consecutive weeks. That Wednesday that we prayed, that Friday she was supposed to have her surgery. Saturday morning, I go to church for our basketball league, and sitting in her position in the recreation ministry was Ashley Tansy's aunt. I walked in the door. I did like this. I walked out, and I was like, wait, hold up. That, that was Ashley Tansy. She just had the surgery yesterday. I walked to the scorer's table. The game was going on. They, they were playing. We had a little basketball league. I looked at her. I said, hold up, sis. I said, you just had surgery yesterday, right? She said, well, I ended up not having surgery. She said, can I tell you the story? I said, what's the story? She said, Blake, I went in, and here's what happened. She said, they put me under the, 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 whatever the table was, the check route one last time. They wanted to make sure that they got everything before they did this double mastectomy. Watch what happened. She said, and when they didn't see anything, they told me there's something wrong with the machine. So they took her and they put her in another room. They put her in another room and said, let's let her use this machine over here. When they went and checked her out underneath that machine, and I'm just telling you, teenagers were praying. They put on that machine. They said, this machine must be broke. So what we're going to do is we're going to turn this machine off, turn it back on in two hours. So she had to wait two hours. They turned this machine back on, put on there, and watch this. That was 2001. It's 2014, and she's never had a mastectomy, nor has cancer ever come back and visit her. Somebody ought to believe that the power of God is at work in this place. I, I, I got to let you go. Here we go. Here we go. Watch this. But the Bible says... That not only was there great preaching, there were people that were lame and were paralyzed. Who were being not only was there spiritual help, but there was also physical help. Now check out verse 8. So there was much rejoicing in that city. In other words, folk began to praise God because one man obeyed the voice of God and the whole city began to praise God. Why? Because the whole city started coming out of darkness. This whole city started coming out of despair. The whole city started coming out of burden. Why? Because the light of the world was being preached. Jesus Christ in their area and the city began to praise God. Watch this. You ought to not just have a live recording up in here. You ought to have a live recording when you get scattered into your neighborhood. When somebody, when the power of God drops while you're preaching Jesus Christ in your dorm room to a friend at Temple and they get saved, y'all ought to have a live recording. Y'all ought to begin to celebrate and praise God right on the spot. And the last thing, it says this, verse 12. But when they had believed Philip preaching the good news about the kingdom of God, in the name of Jesus Christ, they were being baptized, men and women alike. The church is at its best when it communicates and demonstrates the message of salvation, causing a great celebration to all who believe. You know that the church is at maximum maturity. Notice this. Philip starts out in Acts 2 a no-name. In Acts 6, he's a servant. In Acts 8, he's preaching, but he's not called evangelist until Acts 21. In other words, God has been developing Philip from Acts 2 to Acts 21 to where he walks in the fullness of his calling. Listen to me. Some of you right now have been going to church a long time, but God is preparing you for the fullness of what he has called you to do. He's trying to check you in the game. Maturity is not seen that you chose a good church. Listen to me. 
Oh, at Epiphany, oh, we got some solid doctrine up in here. Yeah, pastor, he be preaching solid. He be breaking down the Greek words, and then have some hood words with it. All no, no, you, you ain't seen. He be making up words. <laughs> you don't have a mature church based on what you hear. You have a mature church based on you obeying God to go be released to perform the Great Commission. And the Bible says, and many believed and were being baptized, both men and women alike. I didn't see no license. I didn't see no ordination. I didn't see none of that. All I saw was that God had scattered some people with expectation for salvation to come from your proclamation. In other words, when you open up your mouth and start sharing Jesus, that name Jesus Christ starts sharing about his salvation, then all of a sudden folks say, I, what must I do to be baptized? What must I do to be saved? Believe in the Lord Jesus and you shall be saved. And folk come and get baptized right over there. Why? Because you ought to be bringing folk that you got saved out there. Tell them we, oh yeah, oh we, yeah, we got a church. We, 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 we got, got a building. But you got saved at school. You got saved on the job. You got saved during the lunch. While I was trying to tell you that me and my husband were going to get a divorce. And you sat with them, your co-worker. And you shared the gospel with them. And they got saved. And marriage is still together. Then you come baptize them right over there. And that's when you will know this. That the hand of the Lord is with you. The hand of of the Lord is with you. The hand of the Lord is not just with the elders. It's with everybody that God is scattering. When this worship service is over, I want you to see yourself as scattered. And God is the one that's planting you in those places and has ordered your steps. And guess what? You are the minister in that spot. And if the gospel is going to be heard, it's going to be heard through you in that place because God has sent you, scattered you, and is with you. Let's pray. Father God, we want to thank you for this ministry. God, I believe you have already done a miraculous work by setting aside this ministry at 17th and Diamond. Lord, in such a way that they are able to draw people from the neighborhood, they're able to draw people from college students, uh, all over, Father God. But I pray that this is just a gathering place. But Lord, you are sending them out. As they walk, their steps are literally being ordered by you. God, when they find themselves in their dorm room, when they find themselves on their job, when they find themselves in their house, when they find themselves in a restaurant, God, they're scattered. And you are expecting a harvest. But the beauty is, God, you promised to be with us and that the hand of the Lord would do what you had accomplished it to do, God. Lord, help us as we constantly heard they preached Christ. They didn't preach arguments. They preached Christ. They preached that great name. That at the name of Jesus Christ, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen and thank God.